0: Exceeding Expectations, episode 75. In this week's episode, we find out how you can earn more and work less, a subject close to my own heart. Our our guest this week is Brad coat, and we're going to go into those issues and a lot more very soon coming up in, in this week's episode. If you do know someone who you feel would really benefit from some of the things we talk about, why not share the episode with them and go online, go on to iTunes, go onto any of the other um, podcast platforms, leave a review, subscribe. That would all be very helpful. Hope you enjoyed this week's show with Brad Coates. Exceeding Expectations. My guest today, Brad Cote. How are you doing? How are you doing, Brad? Awesome. Yourself? I'm very good, thank you. And you're in Toronto in Canada? Correct. Just before we started recording, you were telling me that it's warm. Um, and, and when you told me the temperature, it didn't sound very warm at all. But I suppose in context for, for Toronto, it, it's it's warm. Yeah, I of guess. course.
1: It's uh, It's been a bit more mild this winter than, uh, than traditionally and less snow. So that's uh, good because I'm not a huge fan of the winter.
0: And are you from Toronto?
1: Um, I'm not from Toronto originally. Uh, I grew up in a town called St. Thomas, about three hours south.
0: So work-wise, Brad, tell us what is it that that you do?
1: Yeah, so I'm a health practitioner and uh, I'm also a business coach for health practice owners, um, getting them to implement systems and essentially growing their health practices uh, so that they don't need to be actively involved as much in the day-to-day.
0: And how long have you been doing that?
1: Uh, I've been involved in the consulting coaching world for a couple of years now, and uh, I've been a health practitioner in, in the industry for almost 13.
0: And how did you sort of get into all of that?
1: Uh, well, originally, I actually um, had went to school and I did business and I started a liquidation based arbitrage company, which was a bit more e-com mm-hmm. and realized I wasn't really uh, into that as much. It wasn't my my as much of a passion, so... What I ended up doing is going back to school, and um, I originally was going to do physiotherapy and realized I didn't quite you know, like the way that it was ran, so I ended up becoming a trainer and then getting my medical license um, a year or two later and uh, ultimately started down the road of trying to get my clients or patients the best results possible, and that kind of took me through a path of opening my own health practices, clinics, and ultimately I had a training uh, facility as well as a clinic integrated um, into one location.
0: And when you say a training facility, so what kind of training are we talking about?
1: So we uh, had personal trainers as well as um, physiotherapists, massage therapists, chiropractic, uh, health Mm -hmm. providers as well. Mm -hmm. So we would incorporate movement, exercise as part of a a holistic approach to someone's rehab and getting them a specific result for example so someone might come in for low back pain hmm. it's really important in a low back pain that we also do some strengthening of specific muscles as well as a stretching routine routine and uh, along with a therapy hmm.
0: and how is that and so would that in, involve a lot of sort of things like pilates and yoga or was it more just sort of stretching exercises and what kind of thing was that
1: It was a lot of resistance training exercises. So uh, we didn't have yoga or Pilates on site. We did have some joint partnerships with uh, local um, clinics and and, uh, studios that were around that took care of that aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, The stretching and stuff that we did was more manual work. We did a thing called fascial stretch therapy, uh, which is a table-based stretching routine. Mm
0: -hmm. And so how has that developed since you started that and, and to where it is now?
1: So when we originally started, uh, my goal was to really get the proof of concept for what I was doing. Um, Essentially, over the course of my years, I started to develop my own training and and treatment based uh, plans and programs that I thought um, would really get the best results possible. Mm -hmm. So not only did I have the technical capacity and skill sets that I was focusing on, but I was also focusing on the actual softer skills. So getting clients so that they'll be compliant in your homework, for example, of your treatment plan or making sure that they're eating properly Mm -hmm. um, because if they've got a lot of inflammation in their body and they've got uh, inflammatory based conditions, Mm -hmm. they've really got to include that to get the best results. So over the course of my years, I really started to um, create my own sort of signature solution to getting people who are generally active adults over 40 um, back to being able to run without knee pain, uh, lose that 30 pounds and keep it off, and, and ultimately uh, be able to maintain any results that they did get. Uh, so that led me to opening my own facility. And during that time period, what I focused on was in, including um, those systems in with the staff and the uh, clients so that they would start to get the best results. Um, and over the course of about two and a half years, Uh, we really started to grow the business. And what I started to realize myself was I um, was really good at the systems-based setting stuff up, like the marketing strategies, the hiring, uh, how to over-deliver on your um, client's journey. So I started to naturally get more into consulting and solving problems for other health practice owners and gym owners um, who are having issues with one of those kind of categories. So over time, I ended up having a client um, of mine, a colleague that I was working with for um, a couple of years in in different capacities from continuing education and so on. Mm -hmm. And I ended up selling that um, gym to him because he was looking at growing his um, operation. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I knew I could trust him to follow the same kind of parameters and be able to over deliver on the clients, take care of them as well as uh, the staff and so on.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned just there about sort of taking a kind of nutrition-based approach. Is that quite regular in your area, or was that quite a sort of unique approach compared to many other people?
1: There's always um, a bit of uh, nutrition being included, but a lot of the time it's very general. Mm -hmm. And what we really did differently is we were focused on an individualized approach. Mm -hmm. So when you would come to us, we would do what we call a health consultation, Mm -hmm or a discovery visit, and we would actually sit you down and gauge where you are in terms of your movement. So how well do you move? Um, how well you know, uh, is your nutrition, sleep, and stress? And mm-hmm. are there any limitations, pain, joint restrictions, or things that are limiting you? So you might come to us to lose 30 pounds, mm-hmm. but we would identify, well, you've got some back pain, and traditionally you've had some back issues. We know you're limited with these things, so we need to incorporate these exercises we also are looking at your nutrition and your, your, you know your, how you're eating and the way you're eating is not quite advantageous to that goal, so we're going to recommend we do this type of process. Mm. So what we did, even though uh, nutrition is kind of prevalent, um, we were really specific to the individual who came in on giving mm. them exactly what they needed at that specific time. Mm. And as they went through the program, six months later, they might be doing something that's actually completely different than when they first started because mm. – they got to a different point, if that makes sense.
0: And would people find it quite difficult to establish sort of those new sort of eating habits that they maybe weren't used to?
1: It, it kind of depends on who it is, um, but a lot of it comes down to, and this is part of the um, strategy and kind of the IP that we we really worked with was having the ability for the health practitioner or the trainer or even just sometimes the front desk receptionist to be able to have a communication that was impactful for the person. Mm. So getting them to understand the importance and getting them to you know break down what might seem like an overwhelming, daunting kind of thing mm. into a very manageable, coachable process. So we mm. would never give like someone a huge routine and say, change 500 things at once. We'd mm. focus on one. So mm. if you first started, you might say, you know what? We need you to drink X number of water um, for this week. And we wouldn't do we wouldn't go to the next step until we achieved the first one, if that makes sense
0: mm. and so how were the how did we, the results that you were getting?
1: so the results that we end up getting were were quite significant and um, I think we've got around a hundred hundred and twenty uh, video testimonials of people sharing their experiences and so on and and um, and people have been really, really satisfied with it. The big thing that it, you know I think really contributes to that is one um we really focus on attracting and converting only those people who are the best fit for our program and that we could really help. Mm-hmm. I think that's one really big way um in terms of like uh, exceeding expectations is really knowing who your, um, targeting and what problem you solve. Mm. I find a lot in, in uh, health industry, people will take on anyone and everyone just to make money, fill their schedule or whatever. Mm. And often people don't get quite as good a result. So Mm. because we really took the time to understand and knew what we could do and the results we could get, we only took those people on that we would, um, know that we're going to be the best results because we'd want them to share their experience.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, and ultimately they're, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, beneficial for everyone to get the best result.
0: So what, what kind of thing within would cause you not to take someone on what, what would be the factors?
1: Well, there's a couple. Um, one is obviously a commitment. So hmm. we would generally have people who are three to kind of five times a week working out, getting treatment, um, you know, they needed to make lifestyle adjustments. Hmm. Uh, so essentially what we, we would ask for three commitments from them. The first hmm. one was always the time commitment. Can you train the three or five days a week along with your therapy? Um, hmm. uh, so that's the first commitment to be successful. The second one was lifestyle. So they needed to be committed to not changing the huge lifestyle commitment. Like, um, we were talking about, uh, earlier, but you know, are they committed to changing lifestyle? You know, mm-hmm. if they're going out and drinking multiple times a week or eating out all the time, like, are they willing to change? Mm-hmm. And if they're not, then our program is not going to be as successful. And ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to have a lot more challenges. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly was obviously the financial commitment. So, um, you know, people needed to be able to afford the service. And sometimes we would have instances where people um, didn't necessarily have the funds Uh, So we really wanted to make sure that it wasn't becoming an extra stress. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a key part because a lot of the time people will overextend themselves because they want the result, Mm -hmm. but it leaves them in a position that might be causing them more stress. Mm -hmm. And I've actually experienced that myself um, when I had clients uh, as a personal trainer many years ago where we were really encouraged to get people, you know, excited, signing up and so on. And I had a couple instances with clients where I, you know, sold them. I didn't feel I ever did anything unethically, but, you know, the person was in a financially stressful situation and adding another five or $600 a month, I believe at the time mm-hmm. was, you know, really challenging for them to the point where they, you know, couldn't sleep sometimes at night cause they weren't sure if they're going to pay rent or they went into massive credit card debts and so on. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the time is really analyzing where the person is judging their commitment levels. And is it really feasible for them? Because mm-hmm. You know, while they're trying to get healthier, you don't want to stress them out more yeah. by them being worried if they can afford it or pay rent or buy groceries or whatever it might be.
0: Hmm. And so on the, the, you know, once people have, you've established that someone is a, a good fit for you and so you know, you started working with them. So typically once they've sort of finished the, or they've, they've improved their, their health and their back is feeling better or whatever the case may be, is it then that's it goodbye or they sort of continue just working out with you guys? I mean, what happens then?
1: Yeah, so um, generally like what we do in the consultation is try to get deeper into what they um, want immediately Mm -hmm. but also what they're looking at doing in the future. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of the times people will come in and they used to run 10Ks or they used to go for long bike rides or they used to do a specific activity, hockey or soccer. And since they've gained weight or they've got a specific injury, they're no longer able to do that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time people would say, you know, I want to lose weight and I want to feel better. But when we start digging deeper, they want to be able to play golf again or they want to be able to do whatever that activity was. Hmm. So we really uh, mapped out addressing their main concerns right away but also what they're looking at doing in the future. Hmm. And as they go through the program and they start getting results, often we would say to them, especially if they didn't have any real specific goals past that point of losing weight or uh, getting their shoulder fixed up or back pain or whatever it is, we start to re-envision the goals. Well, what is, what is something that you want to do that you haven't been able to do? And sometimes we would have, I remember one um, one lady, she wanted to end up going into doing triathlons because mm. her mom did triathlons and she was never really the most fit. So she wanted to be able to do something like that. Uh, so we actually started to transition her into a preventative rehab program and strengthening program to get her active into doing a triathlon, for example. Mm. So we really, we really tailored it to the client. And often um, what happens is once they start getting results, they open up a whole new door and a whole new light for things that they wouldn't necessarily think that they could have done before.
0: In itself, it their expectations from what they had when they, they first started with it. Exactly. And so what – I mean you mentioned before we started speaking about how um, there was an article and you had five steps in the article –
1: the article is one that I, I uh, you know, had wrote a couple of weeks ago, and it was really outlining um, how to over deliver. So we, um, as one of our core values, is we called it over delivering, mm. and you know, over delivering is not really a word, I guess, but you know, we make it one for this, mm. this purpose, mm. and that's really our version of exceeding expectations. Mm. And over delivering always really means that we want to give the best experience possible, and then some. Mm. So in the article, what, um, what I really drafted out was a, um, a, a thing that I shared from uh, the owner of Zingerman's Deli. He basically, uh, Ari Weinsweg, he owns this um, $70 million a year uh, business that's a deli, a roadhouse, um, mail order food, and, and a 20 or so other businesses. Hmm. And um, his big thing is always focusing on that over-delivery and the customer um, satisfaction at all costs. Mm. And he has something called the five steps to overcoming a complaint. Mm. And it's something that, uh, when I did a mastermind was luckily enough to be a part of and started to swipe and implement into our business. Mm. And, uh, essentially like what it is, is it's a, a system that will start to neutralize the complaint and actually can start to change the, um, you know, change the outcome of what happens with the, uh, with the complaint. Mm. So often what happens is, and and the reason this kind of came about was, um, a lot of people are scared from conflict Mm. and they think, well, if a customer complains or a client complains or a patient complains that there's gotta be something wrong. And a lot of people are very uncomfortable. Mm. The reality is, is that if someone actually cares about your service or product, and they complain. It shows that they have an interest and in wanting to make it better. Mm. So, if you can have a system in place that captures their feedback, rewards them for giving it, and helps them let you or helps them understand that you are making the necessary changes to be able to fix or overcome whatever that is, you can end up building a massive amount of retention as well as connection, uh, in, a family like tightness with those clients. Mm. Um, so I'll, I'll list the five off and then I can send you the links Forever wants to, to read it. It's on my website. Mm. Um, the five are number one, acknowledge the complaint. Mm. So you always want to acknowledge that the person is complaining in the first place. Mm. A lot of the time people are very passive and they sort of shuffle it under the rug, which only pisses people off generally. Mm. So really acknowledge the complaint. You want to sincerely apologize, mm-hmm. whether you agree with it or not, or you have all the entire story, just apologize. And it could be something as simple as saying, you know, I'm really sorry for what happened. Um, uh, I, I want to make sure that we make this better. Mm-hmm. So that leads us to the third. You want to take action to make things right. Mm-hmm. So if it's something you can deal with right away, um, for example, we would have sometimes where there's no towels or the, you know, the the garbage was overflowed because someone threw a coffee in it, all sorts of crazy stuff happens in clinics. Mm. Um, so we, you know, that's something simple. We can easily take care of that. Mm. If it's something that's a little more complex, like, you know, the person's not getting as much result in their treatment plan, um, then we're going to take action to make things right. But we're going to tell them, listen, you know, tell us a little bit of what what happened. Um, we'll try to figure out what's, what's best. And at the end of the day, we'll make sure we solve this problem for Mm. you. And that might be you give them an entire refund. There's been times where, um, we believe a lot in risk reversal Mm -hmm. and we would even say if for some reason you feel that you didn't get the results and you, you know, in, in quotations, you put the effort in, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, uh, that will give you a refund. And there's been a couple of times where we dropped the ball and I refunded those people, but they still retain clients Mm -hmm. and they brought me clients before. Mm -hmm. Number four was thanking, thanking the, um, thanking the client for bringing the complaint to your attention because if they didn't do it, you wouldn't even know it exists and you don't have any option to make it right. Mm. That person could go, go off angry and they're telling their friends and family what happened. Mm. And then fifth, one of the most important is document the complaint and make sure that everyone on your team is aware of what happened and get ideas from them on how we can overcome it. Mm. So um, the specific scenario that I was um, referencing before was we had someone who, um, there, uh, this was a, a trainer. The trainer was consistently late for about a week and a half to their training sessions. And our training sessions are, um, you know, higher end, $150 an hour. And this person was five to 10 minutes late for their sessions. Mm. So when this person came and complained, they, they didn't immediately, but it was, it was uh, maybe three or four sessions in when they actually came to complain mm. Um, the front desk receptionist followed this process. I reached out to them and had a meeting with them and I got the information, try to figure out what happened with the, with the, um, uh, staff member. Um, and basically, you know, came up with a solution for her. And what I ended up doing was giving her, um, the refund for those sessions Mm -hmm. that she, she, she had completed. And I, what I did also was I gave her, um, a, uh, like a uh, gift card pass thing to give to one of her colleagues or friends, and said, "You know what? I'll get I'll comp you for the past couple sessions. You know, it cost us a couple hundred dollars um, to make that right. Mm. But I also gave her uh, the pass to give to her colleague to come in and try the stuff out. Mm. Well, she ended up bringing someone else in, and her friend signed up with her, mm. and they were still clients even to this day. Mm. Um, so it's an easy way for you if you have a system in place to go above and beyond." In order to make things right, um, because your clients are the ones that are ultimately, you know, paying to keep everything uh, everything running and so on. If that makes sense.
0: And so, did you see much change in your business from before implementing those procedures and afterwards? Yeah, the
1: the big thing that we that we had was um, we didn't have a, a solidified system for handling the complaints and documenting them and so on. So we had some people on the team who were you know, really good at and, and empathetic and they were okay having those, um, you know, those difficult conversations. And there was other people who really had a challenge. And the people who had the challenge, um, I felt that the system really brought it up because now they had something to follow. And because everyone had the same standard, it allowed us to um, keep a tighter knit culture as well as a standardized system when things came up. So collectively as a team, we were all involved If someone was complaining about, you know, the way the – how clean the treatment room is or someone was complaining about, you know, I I tried to call you and I couldn't get a hold of you or whatever it might be, um, we had a specific system that everyone followed because often uh, the patient might not complain to the therapist about their treatment, um, you know, whatever might have went on. But they'll tell the front desk and the front desk receptionist needs to have the tools and the skill sets to be able to accommodate that. So, I, uh, what we, we used to gauge was a thing called net promoter score or NPS. And our NPS increased, um, quite a bit over the couple months that we increased, uh, sorry, implemented this, uh, complaint based system.
0: You mentioned about building and incorporating an over deliver aspect to your, to your company's core values.
1: The, concept of over delivering in our core values was really about having uh, the staff and everyone um, striving to achieve the best possible um, experience for that client patient or even prospects who are just coming in mm. you know it could even be something as simple as the mailman we wanted to be able to or mailwoman, um, that, you know, we wanted them to have good experiences. So we would, they come in, we'd offer them water and so on. And we really wanted to have that magnetic um, culture where ultimately people knew if they were going there, they were going to have a good time. And they knew to expect to, they might be having a bad day, but when they come here, it's disassociated. We're going to take care of them. And ultimately they know that they can count on mm. us. Um, again, regardless of if they're paying us or not, we want to have that, um, that, culture and those core values. Mm -hmm. So um some some scenarios that we've had, like I I gave you examples. We'd have different people come in, you know, delivering the mail or whatever it might be. Um, We'd go above and beyond to, you know, greet them and you know, we want water, how can we make your day better? And all that type of Mm -hmm. stuff. And fortunately we had good staff at the front desk as reception to be able to accommodate that. Mm -hmm. Um, We did have one scenario Uh, that I was telling you about earlier, um, where a prospect, so not even a paying client, but a prospect actually lost her earrings during a consultation. And I ended up finding them a, a little while later and went and hand-delivered them in the winter. Uh, this is not like a, summer, like a summer winter. What we have now is one where it was a lot colder and a lot of snow. And uh, I went, I went uh, to her place, it was probably like 10 minutes away, uh, to deliver them. Just to be able to you know, go above and beyond so she didn't have to come back out and um, you know truck in the winter to do it. Uh, no big deal on my part. Um, but that person ended up coming back and buying about a year later. Um, she just said we were kind of top of line and she always sort of remembered that experience. Mm-hmm. The, the other things that we really like to incorporate in, in terms of the core values is buying flowers for people, um, you know the clients on their anniversary, giving them birthday gifts. Um, taking advantage of their spouse's birthdays, mm-hmm. if they buy a new house, all that type of stuff. We really want to be able to acknowledge clients um, and and even prospects in every aspect of their life. So if they got a new job, we want to be able to to promote that and make it, uh, you know, make it make them feel good about it. Make them uh, have a good experience. If they're feeling not so great about something, you know, we're here to be able to help walk you through the path or f- help you find uh, your way through it in whatever way it could be.
0: And so when you when you started to implement all these sorts of um, ideas, um, what was it made you sort of think about these in the first place? Was it have you seen it somewhere else or how, how did it all sort of come about in the first place? Uh,
1: the big thing was, is I've always realized that client retention is huge. And um, I've known that for like tons and tons of years. And I started to um, read more and be exposed more to the customer experience and how to improve retention. And a lot of what I started to see was um, how co- certain companies were would go above and beyond in order to um, help the client, whether they pay or they're a prospect and they haven't. So I, I remember reading some resources such as like Zappos. And Zappos' his whole thing was focusing on customer service. Uh, so that was a really good example that started to expose me to that. And during that time period, I looked at some stuff uh, like through Disney Um, Disney does another really good job of being able to standardize the experience, go above and beyond so that you have the best experience possible. Um, So kind of taking a look at what people were doing from a successful company standpoint and taking things that would would help implement. So Ari uh, Weinsweg from the um, Zingerman's business, they were all 100% about the culture, 100% about the over-delivering on the customer or the uh, I don't know if you call them customers for restaurant, but their experience. Uh, so I started to implement different strategies and started to see um, over the course of tracking that our retention would go up. Our referrals would go up. People were actually getting better results. Because if we can make them feel that this was the best, if they came in for a treatment or training, this was the best hour that they could spend during the day they're going to want to come. They're going to want to push hard. They're going to want to be accountable. If it's snowing out, they're not going to cancel their appointment because they're committed to us just because we're committed to them. And when people realize that, they're going to put in the extra effort and go above and beyond. And when people don't, that's when they start to fall off. So I hear a lot of the time therapists say, well, it's raining out or it's snowing out and my clients, you know, they they all canceled. Well, we didn't really have a lot a lot of that. Some some snowstorms, we had some pretty crazy snowstorms, nice storms, I understand, but um, traditionally, we didn't have a lot of people canceling or rebooking because I really felt we gave a good experience and the people actually wanted to come. Um, so if you can start incorporating those concepts, your retention is going to go up, you're going to get more referrals, and your lifetime value, from a business standpoint, your lifetime value is going to increase. And even more importantly... You're truly gonna get better results because the clients and prospects are gonna be more committed. They're gonna be more invested in you and they're gonna to want to succeed.
0: And I guess both you both your staff and your customers are all gonna be happier enjoying it. It's gonna be more enjoyable experience for everyone.
1: It creates a tighter culture and almost mm. like that family type culture.
0: Mm. And so what, how would you compare it to say your competitors? Uh, have, have they got a similar approach or have you got quite a different approach to many of your competitors?
1: I sort of think it depends um on on who. The uh in my experiences, um, especially like in Canada, is the the like the health kind of industry is very um it's very like uh either medical and and kind of like sterile, sort of, you know, very blank. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got people who are kind of in the niche sort of industry that that try a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're kind of in the medical side where you're in doing insurance and, uh, you know, because in Canada, health insurance is covered. So you've got all of these facilities where if you get injured or whatnot, it, you know, and it's covered, you can go to them. Um, you've got that aspect. And they don't really try that hard, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got niche where they – they do a little bit better, but they don't – I don't think they make it as much about the culture hmm. um, and embedding it into the culture and making it a place that people really, truly want to go. Um, so there's kind of a mix. There's some people that I've experienced that do really good jobs, um, and there's there's some that I – that that are really good health practitioners. They're really good doctors, but they really drop the ball on the customer experience.
0: Hmm. And you, uh, you were talking about turning negatives into positives and when, so how long have you been sort of trying that approach?
1: Yeah. I mean, right from the the beginning, I've always tried to, if there's a problem, like I want to figure out what the, you know, what the problem is and how it happens, uh, and really be able to make sure it doesn't happen again, depending on what it is. Mm -hmm. So, um, I've really always tried to strive to do that. And, And it really started when I was a personal trainer, you know, 10 years ago, um, with, getting the best results for the clients. So a big thing when I was starting out as training is I always had this, this relentless obsession with getting results for clients because they were paying a lot of money to me. They were spending a lot of time and investing. And I really saw it as a reflection of myself if I could help those people. Um, Mm. so you know, not everything you can hundred percent do. People need to be motivated and they, you know, they have to do the work. Um, Mm. but I would always kind of over-deliver from the beginning by, you know, if I had a person with a knee problem and I couldn't quite figure it out, I'd be trying to figure out who could help me with it. And I started to build my network that way. So I'd reach out to chiropractors, other doctors, to try to get information about why is this person not getting better? You know, if the person is not losing weight, I start to look at, well, how do I, how do I get this person to, to eat better? So I might have started looking at incorporating softer skills. So how do I communicate to someone? to get them to understand the importance about why they need to eat better in terms of their weight loss journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, just through that, I felt like I started to um, get a lot more, a uh, lot better results and a lot more compliance with the clients.
0: Hmm. Where do you see your, how do you see your business growing in the next few years? What would you, how do you, how would you like it to be, to grow?
1: Well, my goal really is I want to be able to help 10,000 health practice owners essentially transform their businesses um, so they can make a larger impact so that they can have the lifestyle and the freedom um, to be able to do whatever it is that that's really why they, they got into business in the first place. Um, So a lot of what I'm doing is, is focusing my time and efforts on making sure that my clients uh, who own health practices, win they, they, that they can navigate through the stresses and the difficult times and autumn and with the, with the goal of, getting them to that period where they are um, able to leverage their time and they're not having to be burnt out and and so on.
0: Mm. Has has technology affected you much or your industry?
1: Um, Well, if anything, I think technology, there's pros and cons. So technology makes a lot of things easier, but it also makes people lazy. So Mm. in terms of over delivery, we use things like customer relation management software or CRM and we use that to send uh, notes to the front desk, for example, to say, you know, hey, Tony hasn't been in in a while. Um, make sure you give him a call just to follow up with them to make sure everything's okay. So that would be an automated message to go to the front desk. And the front desk would actually call them and uh, give them a call. We would send handwritten notes, for example, saying, hey, you haven't been in in a while. We hope everything's okay. Or even if they haven't been in in a while, we would send them a birthday card saying, hey, happy birthday, best wishes. Let us know if you need it in the future. Kind of thing. Mm. So we we leverage the technology to be able to, in our favor to kind of manage the whole processes. Uh, mm. Whereas I, I see a lot of people using it to take the tough conversations or follow up conversations or sales conversations uh, mm. to like an automation. So I get mm. text messages from my from my dentist saying, "Hey, it's time to come back in. Let's book an appointment." Like fifty messages. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, like day after day, after day, after day, after day in order to get me mm. to come in. And mm. it doesn't have the same ring or meaning as if someone picked up the phone and said, Hey, you haven't been in here in six months um, or whatever it is. We'd really like to get you back in. Um, you know, hope everything's okay. Like whatever. I feel like if, if you're using technology to help you leverage it in that way, um, it's mm. you're going to have some problems. But if you use it to leverage keeping organized um, of who you need to follow up with, sending the letters, doing the calls, then it works a little bit more in your favor.
0: Mm. What, what are your general thoughts on exceeding expectations, Brad?
1: My, my general thoughts is really it's, it's a pinnacle piece to being successful in business because mm. it not only helps you retain clients uh, increase the lifetime value, get referrals, and so on, like we, we talked about. But it really helps to create a culture. and it's that culture and the vision of your business that ultimately is what it would outlasts. And the more that you can incorporate um, the, the client or the patient experience, the more uh, it's going to be easier for you to get staff behind you uh, to retain those clients and ultimately um, make a bigger impact and, and uh, have more freedom, make more money and, and uh, actually get those uh, clients or patients better results.
0: Would you say in the time you've been doing this, has the expectations of your clients changed much? Are they higher now or, or not, no change? Uh,
1: well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're higher, which is great because we always look to do better. Um, so it works mm-hmm. in our favor because they're expecting, uh, they're expecting like a high quality. And that's completely mm. justifiable because that's why we charge a premium rate mm. where it really works an advantage even more so is when they try to go somewhere else. And we've had a couple instances mm. where people said, you know what? I can't afford it. I'm going to do this or whatever. And they choose to supplement. So someone, for example, they'll come to see therapy, but they're like, well, you know, I'm going to stay at my regular gym. We say, okay, well, mm. no problem. Well, why don't you try us out for, you know, two weeks, see what it's like when they go back to their old gym. They start to realize, oh man, this is not the great mm-hmm. experience. And a lot of the time, they would end up transferring to us, um, which mm-hmm. only makes sense—they're coming here anyways. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, they, they're comparing what we're offering with what they're offering, and we ended up, um, you know, being able to benefit from that. Mm-hmm.
0: If people want to find out more about what it is that you do, where would they go to?
1: Um, you can go to my website, uh, bradcody.com, So B-R-A-D-C-O-T-E dot com. And I'll also mm-hmm. send you the link with that article. Uh, so anyone who's interested in uh, finding more out about Ari and, and his customer service approach or the five, um, five steps to overcoming a complaint, they can
0: access that. And are you sort of mostly just in a Toronto area or is it other places as well?
1: I work uh, primarily with health practice owners in um, Canada and the USA, um, so mm-hmm. I do a lot of my work uh, remotely through uh, Zoom-based calls as well as online-based course material.
0: Mm. And, and typically, who are the types of people you're, you're helping? Generally,
1: uh, health practitioners who are in solo practice, uh, people who own clinics, clinic owners. Um, A chiropractor, physio, massage therapist anyone who's a health practitioner and running their own business so uh, not really working with people who are employees of uh, businesses you've got to be kind of out on your own and you've got to be able to um, want to grow your business and be open to coaching and ultimately wanting to make a bigger impact in the industry
0: Nice, well just before we finish Brad I know there's there's a quotation you like.
1: Of course and I think this one's really fitting based on what we talked about and it's, uh, I don't know who said this, by the way, so uh, I can't give you the name on the quote, but it, what it really is is always remember this you need the client. The client doesn't need you. And when you consider that perspective, you'll change the way you do business.
0: And when did you first come across that?
1: Uh, I think it's various capacities over the years. I don't entirely remember. So I'm kind of maybe paraphrasing that quote, but um, the whole thing is, is if you're really thinking about it, uh, you know, the client at the end of the day has options and, you know, it's your obligation to be able to uh, over deliver and make an impact on them uh, so that they ultimately choose you.
0: Absolutely. Well, Greg, thank you very much for your time and and for sharing sharing your knowledge with us.
1: Perfect. I appreciate it. And hopefully it was uh, valuable to everyone listening.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Brad. No problem. Thanks. Next week, episode 76 is with Richard Matthews. And Richard, he travels around the US in an RV with his family doing business in many different states in America. We we hear some fascinating stories from him. He he talks a lot about automation and podcasting and, and marketing and building powerful business systems. And we also hear some great stories about how he started earning a lot of money when he was still at school by selling things to the other school kids. So that's in next week's episode with Richard Matthews. Hope you enjoyed this week's show. Please do share it with someone who you feel will get some benefit from it. Subscribe, leave a review, and I hope you have a great week.